<laughs> oh, this is so fabulous. Ain't nothing like getting together with family and having a good meal. Come and knock on our door. Come and knock on our door. We've been waiting for you. We've been waiting for you. Where the kisses are. Hers and hers and his. Please come for me too. Come and dance on our floor. Dance on our floor. Take a step that is new. so glad that you are worshiping with us this morning. We have a very special treat. Today is a, a really great day in the life of West. You get to meet Pastor Jeffrey. He is from Nebi, Uganda with Acres of Hope, whom we've been partnering with for the past five years. And also today, you get uh, up on the stage, up close and personal, Mrs. Leanne Rose, who is our missions extraordinaire, works with our youth. She is just an all-around amazing staff person. And so they are going to be sharing a little bit with us this morning about our experience in Nebi, Uganda, and what Pastor Jeffrey's doing there at Acres of Hope. So will you give them a warm West welcome, please? So for the first part of the sermon, and y'all are probably hoping that this goes a really long time, uh, I wanted to ask Pastor Jeffrey and Leanne a couple of questions. What you saw on the video where we were in one of the houses at Acres of Hope, that was a roof that you all helped put on there last year when, when Jeffrey had a need. So that was a huge, huge yay. One of the things that happens at Acres of Hope is child sponsorship. Uh, that was Jeffrey's vision years ago was to, he had some land and he purchased the land and then with just a divine partnership, I think that started with Williamson's Chapel and West and has spread now across the United States, they have built five pod houses. And how many children are sponsored now? Um, 179. Wow, 179 kids. And what that means is $50 a month, 179 people or families that sponsor more than one child spend $50 a month. And so that's what I wanted Pastor Jeffrey to talk to us about. I know you're really thrilled about using the microphone, <laughs> but you have to like hold it up next to your mouth. Um, I can tell I keep getting older every year we go to Uganda because I keep listening closer and closer. <laughs> um, my hearing's bad, so pretend that their hearing is like mine. And so hold the mic up. But Jeffrey, I wanted you to tell us, what is it like for a child that's growing up in Nebi uh, that's not a part of Acres of Hope? Actually, first of all, I need to thank you, the leadership of West and uh, the congregation for the great work in partnership that you, know, you have offered us since 2011. I think it started with you when you came there was nothing. We were just grass and open ground. Um, the difference is, uh, you know, after the war, uh, most parents picked up biological children and they started resettling them with the community. And uh, the challenge came for those without you no know, parents. So the funny, funny things that were happening 
what we saw one was they needed to be protected. Why should they be protected? Because there was no one to accompany them. And uh, they were prone uh, to be used by no uh, local uh, traditional no drug dealers. So some of them are being taken for child sacrifice. So what they do when, okay, according to them, what they believe in, that uh, their spirit will need human blood. Mm. So you find that these kids were the first to be taken, to be sacrificed. Actually, there was a case being followed, which I think because nobody was there to follow the, the child. He was 12 years old, and uh, he, was, he was so hungry, and then he went to one of the gardens. So when the owner of the garden found him was a gentleman, he picked that child, he just slaughtered him, removed the heart, mm. another body parts, other guns, and then he buried him in the sun. But I think after some few days, uh, there was a stray dog that was moving and came and exhumed what the body. So the issue was taken to the police and they started following, but they discovered that uh, that guy, that child, was an orphan without somebody to accompany him. He used to be in town, sleeping under the open sky. Mm. So even as they talk, the case is just completely uh, covered because no one is there to um, follow up the case. So these are some of the you know, uh, challenges that we are seeing. And of course, you find that uh, eating becomes a problem, clothing becomes a problem, and... Uh, Housing become a problem, and I didn't show that in that small neighbor area, we have about uh, 130 kids that stay within uh, the town center. Wow. And uh, it's amazed that there is a tunnel where no, normally water runs when the town is flooded, so that's where they live. Wow. So you cannot believe it, but that's the truth of the matter. So some of those kids, uh, we happen to pick some few uh, that are with us, and uh, the rest, some of them are not very no, welcoming to us. But still, the government showed them to us that at least you need to persuade them if they can come up so that we handle them. So that's what we are doing, and uh, you find that uh, the challenge of uh, lack of food, lack of clothing, lack of no, parental care, lack of someone to love them, so those are some of the challenges that you find those kids are with. How many kids actually stay in Acres of Hope? Uh, it should have been less than 70 uh, in numbers. Okay. But because of some of the challenges, we, as I'm narrating, we decided to, uh, we have five pod houses. So the kids from four years to uh, 10, we place them into the three pod houses. And then kids from uh, 12 to 17, we have 22 girls now occupying one house. Wow. Because we didn't have any other alternative. So I think we get anxious if we have three <laughs> teenage girls under one house. So 22 girls yeah, under yeah. one roof. I think so, uh, we all... Yeah, so we have 19 boys in one pod house. Why are we doing so? Because... We wanted to provide for them accommodation. We wanted to provide for them the basic needs. So we agree with the government in principle that uh, we are trying our level hard 
to see that we discongest the water place. But for the meantime, that's the way to go. Okay. Mm. So um, will you tell us what happens after a child is sponsored and brought into the Acres of Hope ministry, the, the changes that are made? I always tell people that when you look at me, talking, smiling, jubilating, that's the life of those kids, definitely. Those who have gone, they will witness that. There is quite a difference between kids who live in the community and the kids who live at Acres of Hope. All the town, the outgoing, the smiling, the laughing. Why? Because they know that. Uh, we have food in the store. We have clothes, some in the store. Uh, the school is there for them to go to. Uh, when the sick health center is there, that we take them to. So everything is, no basic need being met, so they're happy. Very good. Mm. Um, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, but I want them to hear it from you mm. so that when I make the ask later on, like on Christmas Eve with our new story, Ask, Hint, Hint. Uh, what is the next part of your vision? Uh, we are still putting on the structure. As I told you that year, last year you rescued us. Uh, it was by faith. I was saying we needed to begin using the house by Feb this year. And uh, we had finished the wall, but the roofing was not there. But I remember getting an email from you saying that, oh, we have gotten some donation. So when that money reached us, we just roofed the house that I told you that. When I look at West, I look at the roof of the house. Because <laughs> you're the one who... who and one of the reasons we can do that is because we don't have a roof here. We actually put our money into missional ministries like our partnership with mm. Acres of Hope. It really does save children's lives. Yeah. And uh, you thank us, but we thank you yeah. for your vision and your sacrifices. Yeah. We thank Jeffrey again, please. So today, after worship in the commons area, and I promise I won't keep you till 11.15 so you can experience these things out there, Wired and Dawn and Leanne and all the volunteers have worked together, and Michelle Campbell, we have a Ugandan experience for you out in the commons area, or our closest attempt at one, <laughs> with some of the games that the kids play there and, and lots of different things, some of the food that you would have experienced on the trip. We take a trip to Nebi, Uganda every other year. And Pastor Jeffrey and I, uh, we had a little idea. I had an idea on the bus and I agonized over it for a long time thinking he's going to think I'm crazy. He's going to think I'm crazy. And so uh, I asked him if like late Norman's children's relief is a mission that's been a part of Williamson's chapel. The Tabor Gray family uh, helped start it with Patsy Wilson and they brought over children first from Belarus and now they bring over children from Afghanistan and uh, they spend some time here in the United States. And I thought, well, you know, if they can do that from Afghanistan and Belarus, can we do that from Uganda? And so I uh, waited till... We got Jeffrey a Red Bull or whatever the Ugandan equivalent of that was. And I said, I have a little idea. And the funny thing is there's a partner church in Texas that works with Pastor Jeffrey. And they have had the exact same idea around the same time. And so when Jeffrey gets back to Uganda, we will be working together to prayerfully maybe look at what it would look like next summer if you got to meet some of the kids from Uganda. That's something we're really passionate about, so we're excited about that. So uh, I'm putting Leanne on the spot this morning <laughs> as well. She does not want to tell this story, but I think it is a powerful story.
story, and it goes with the scripture that we're going to look at. Uh, we always have gifts and resources that we can use. And here at West, if you're new to West, we don't pass the offering baskets. We don't try to, you know, guilt you into giving financially. But we do invite you to participate in the work of the faith community and the work of the kingdom of God by being a part of the mission and vision. And if you grew up in church, you know this word called tithe. Tithe is biblical it means you give 10% of your income. And so one of the things that I've tried to do with my own personal journey, Scott and I made the decision, and then I asked the staff if they would prayerfully consider what if we as a staff tithed to the missions and ministries of West and our partners, uh, because I don't believe we can ask you to do something if we don't lead by doing. And so God really weighed that on my heart that I can't stand up here and talk about giving if Scott and I don't sacrificially give. So we started doing that. And then uh, in a staff meeting, we were talking about giving and I mentioned it to the staff. And, you know, sometimes I don't know that they listen to the things that I talk about. You know, it's just a checklist. But um, apparently Leanne listened. And so when we were walking up the steps in the hotel in Uganda, she and Brianna Marino were walking up ahead of me. And I don't think she knew that I was behind her eavesdropping. And so I don't normally eavesdrop, but when I hear the name Andrea asked, my ears perk up because I'm curious as to what I asked. So Leanne, if you would please uh, share with us that story that day you were sharing with Bree. Sure. So Bree and I were talking and I was talking about um, my first opportunity to do tithing. It was um, kind of scary in a way and it there was just this number that came on my heart, um, and it was exactly $50 less of a full tithe, of a full 10 10%. So that's what I felt comfortable with. I'd been doing it for months. It was just, it felt right. Um, and so once we went over to Uganda and experienced the things and saw the children, one of the questions I asked myself is, what can I do? And the answer for me was sponsorship. And so I asked, well, how much is a sponsorship? Um, and it's $50. And Bree looked at me. She's like, Leanne that's a God thing. He's talking to you. And I was like, you're absolutely right. That's what I need to do. So I came home and talked to Austin. <laughs> We're going to sponsor a child. It's going to be great. Thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey <laughs> and Leanne. So for the next few minutes, I just want to read a passage of scripture to you and talk about what Jesus said about this whole experience and relationships and, and those kinds of things. Last week, I shared about a parable of the feast of the banquet and Jesus telling them who to invite and who not to invite, and that a lot of times we spend a lot of time thinking who's going to be at the party. And, you know, like now in our society, mealtime is not not what it used to be. Like when I grew up back in the dark ages of the 1970s, it was tradition that every night you had dinner with your family around the table and you would come and you would have a, a formal supper or dinner. And now I asked last week, and I'll ask again, how many of you actually come together with friends or family around a dinner table every night? Will you clap? And how many of you find it so busy that you don't have time to sit around a dinner table with your friends or family every night? Will you clap? 
we live in a society that is very busy and it's very demanding. And so that dinner time, that sacred hour is just not what it used to be. However, yesterday, Scott and I traveled up to Appalachian for a family weekend to see our daughter Lane. And apparently, you know, I knew tailgating at the Panther games was a big deal. I had no idea that tailgating at Appalachian football games was such a big idea. We really could have not eaten for a very long time if we had just ro- you know, roved through the parking lot and participated at all the tailgates. You know, that's something that's fun and it's something that we want to do. We do it with our friends. We have great food and beverages there at the tents. And so when I tell you this story that Jesus talked about with the, be- the banquet and the feast of the table, I want us to stop and not necessarily get so focused on the feast, but I would like for us to actually think about what it would mean if we had like a tailgate party with Jesus. And if he was there, what would he say and who would he have to invite and what would he tell us to do? So this morning, this is a story of the dinner party and Jesus is telling a parable because that's one of the ways that he taught. If he would tell a story, those who were listening to him would would relate to the story. So that's why I'm telling you as I talk about a banquet, don't think about a banquet, think about a tailgate party. So if you were inviting someone to a tailgate party, think about that. Um, Jesus followed up with the discussion that he was having with the people. And he said, there was once a man who threw a great dinner party and he invited so many people. When it was time for dinner, he sent out his servant to the invited guests saying, come on in, the food's at the table. So basically the folks are getting their second invite. He'd already sent out one invitation, told everybody who was invited. And now that the party was ready, he's sending another invite and asking them to to come. The food's ready. So listen to what happens when Jesus sends this invitation. They all began to beg off, one after another, making excuses. The first said, I bought a piece of property and need to look it over. So I'm sending my regrets. Another said, I just bought five teams of oxen, but I really need to check out my oxen. So I'm sending you my regrets. And then the third one said, you know, I just got married and I need to get home to my wife. The servant went back and told the master what had happened. The master was outraged and told the servant, quickly, go out into the city streets and alleys. Collect all who look like they need a square meal, all the misfits and the homeless and the wretched. Get everybody that you can possibly lay your hands on and bring them here to this party, to this table. The servant reported back, Master, I did what you commanded. There's still room. And the master said, then go to the country roads. Whoever you can find, drag them in. I want my house full. Let me tell you, not one of those originally invited is going to get so much as a bite at my dinner party. 
So Jesus tells this story about this party that this man throws. He sends out two invitations. So apparently, you know, he's a little planned ahead. This is not a last-minute invitation. Like if I ever get around to having guests over and having a party, they might get like six to eight hours notice. This guy, he'd, he'd done his work. He invited the people and probably, I mean, the scripture doesn't say this, but we can assume that they said yes because he was banking on them coming. Now, last week when we we talked about the parable that was two stories up in the gospel of Luke chapter 14. We tell a story about who was invited and Jesus was teaching them, don't invite people that can pay you back. If you're inviting the people that can pay you back, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. We want you to invite the homeless, the wretched, the lame, those who cannot provide this meal for themselves. That's who you're supposed to go and serve. So in the gospel of Luke, that story was two stories up and now we come to this banquet where this master, he's already sent out the invitations. These people have RSVP'd yes, but then when it comes time to come to the dinner table, to come to the banquet, you know, they've got other stuff to do. They make excuses, and it's interesting to read the commentaries on this passage because they say, you know, the excuses are lame, that they don't make any sense. And so if you start to look at them, you know, this one guy has already bought land, and now, just now, he's getting ready to go look at it, uh, shared with you in the Friday e-news that we sent out. And if you don't get that, uh, if you'll email me at Andrea Heading West, every week we send out one synopsis via email of sort of what's going on in the life of West. And right now, our offices are at Faith United Methodist, which is on Patterson Avenue on the other side of town. And we love our partnership with Faith. We plan on continuing that partnership. But you basically have four or five staff people in you know, a size like of the corner of the stage. We all sit at one table. We've outgrown it far quickly, far more quickly than we thought. So for the past six months, I think, we've been having the conversation that at some point we have to, we have to look at new office space, like in addition to what we have with our partnership at Faith. And so members of the strategic team have been scoping out properties. Some of you have been helping over the past six months, giving us ideas and stuff. And you know what? There's been a couple of times that we've engaged in further conversation about office space, but you know what happens every time we get ready to take that conversation to the next level? You know, everybody that's going to have a vested interest in this, either volunteer leadership of, of West or the staff people of West, we go tour the office space. Like we actually go, we look around. Sometimes we go more than once, depending on how deep the conversations get. Every time we actually go see it before we even begin to discuss lease opportunities. You know, in this scripture, the person who's giving the excuse that I just bought a plot of land, now I have to go look at the land, that's a lame excuse. Who buys land and doesn't look at it ahead of time? So theologians say that this passage, this parable that Jesus is telling is to show us that there's this amazing opportunity that we have with God. Whether it is like the ultimate tailgate, you know, a big party that we have that looks like the kingdom of God. God, and that means it's full of love and joy and hope and happiness and peace because that's what the kingdom of God is, that this parable is about that, but that, you know, we lose our seat at the table because we make lame excuses. 
And that's the bottom line of the passage this morning that we're looking at. We have this amazing opportunity to go to this phenomenal banquet, this phenomenal party. It'd be like the ultimate tailgate experience. And we miss out because we make excuses. You know, the one guy said, well, you know, I've got some land. I've got to go look at it. Another one said, you know, I bought some oxen and now I've got to go check them out. You don't do that. You don't go, you know, like email somebody at a cattle sale and say, I want to buy some cows. And then you buy the cows and then you actually go look at them. That's not how it works. And the other guy said the excuse he, he put, you know, I need to go home and be with my wife. Sorry. You know, did he not know he was going to get married before, you know, that day? when the servant came and said, the party's ready? Probably not. So the whole parable that Jesus tells is to just show, look, you know, we all can make excuses. That's that's the bottom line. We all have excuses that we can make, but at the end of the day, we each have something that we can offer. We each have some gift, some Something that makes us unique that we can contribute and be a part of this this amazing banquet. You just heard Pastor Jeffrey. I mean, five years ago, six years ago, there was just some land. It was some grass, and and all I did was pray. Uh, So that just goes to show that God is so, so, so big and that God was working in so many different ways and people were open to that. Uh, You know, I did absolutely nothing but just have have a little guts to stand in Uganda and say, okay, let us pray. God, pour out your blessings on this land and lead the right people to this partnership. And then lo and behold, a few weeks later at Easter, on Saturday evening at four o'clock, I get a phone call from Rob Fuquay. Now, preachers, we like to do things last minute. We had a five o'clock worship service on the Saturday night before Easter. Rob calls me at four and says, Andrea, I need Uganda pictures. I'm like, well, okay, uh, that's very soon and I'm not at home. And he said, I've got to talk about Uganda tonight and tomorrow morning at Easter. And I said, okay, I'll find you some pictures. So I did. And then the next morning at the 945 worship service and at Williamson's Chapel on Easter, that's a service that has about 1,200 people, Rob said something came over him as he was doing the benediction that day at the end of worship. And a benediction is when the preacher comes out after all the music's been sung and you know says some part words. He called me that afternoon, Rob did, and said, you're going to either be really mad at me or really happy. And West folks, people worshiping with us today or online, if you've heard this story before, then I apologize. But there are lots of new people that are a part of our faith community now. And, and I really want you to hear what God does when we're willing to say, okay, God, use me. So Rob said to me that afternoon, he said, I'm standing up there and I'm, you know, getting ready to do this big sending forth this big benediction and I just feel convicted and I just felt this the spirit the Holy Spirit working in me saying do it just do it have some courage and just do it and so Rob said as he was looking out over this full sanctuary of people that truthfully, you know, we have a lot of folks that come only on Christmas and only on Easter. And so Rob said he knew that there were people out there that he would not see again until after Christmas. And so he said, okay, we live in the middle of an opulent community. 
We live in a resort community, and this week on spring break week, some of you are going to go buy a new boat. Some of you might be making a down payment on a beach home or going to visit your beach home or a second home, and many others of us are getting ready to take some exotic vacations. For $15,000, you can give at least nine children a shot at life. For $15,000, you can put food on a table for a children. You can build an Acres of Hope Orphanage Pod House, and you can make a difference in this world. For $15,000, you can do something. And Rob told me, he said, you know, I know I didn't talk to you about this ahead of time, but I just had to tell you that I laid that out there this morning. And he said, now, Andrea, I have no idea if this will come to fruition or not. But as people were leaving that day and they were shaking my hands, four different people told me that they were gonna call me and that they were going to commit money to building pod houses in Uganda. By the end of the week, we'd had so many phone calls, we came up with $90,000. And it, ever since then, has been just absolutely amazing. Pastor Jeffrey is, is no longer serving the local church there where we had the women's conference. He is full-time immersed in Acres of Hope. You won't find a more visionary and honest man. We went into that partnership and, you know, Rob announced to me literally a week after he called me telling me that, you know, hey, I just asked for money for Acres of Hope Podhouses. Um, then he told me, you know, I'm going to be moving uh, out of the annual conference to another one. So I feel very confident that your leadership can, can do this. And I'm like, dude, I've got no clue how to build pod houses in Nebi, Uganda. And I've heard all these stories of other pastors that pour tons of money in these global mission initiatives only for them to fail. And when folks give money to Williamson's Chapel Missions, which is where I was the associate at the time, or West, I personally, like as the pastor, feel responsible for that money because you're giving your tithes and your offerings to God. And part of my job as the pastor is to oversee the spending of the church. So it's something I take really, really seriously. I had met Jeffrey all of like 10, 12 days. I had no idea if he was honest. I had no idea if he would actually take the money and, and do what we asked him to do. And so I put like checks and balances in it. He had to, it was the most bizarre and crazy way of doing this. But every, you know, criteria I set, he more than willingly did. I asked him to take a picture of every receipt that he did and then send us that. And then we would wire more money to him. And he did it. And then we worked together on how to get these children sponsored. And at the same time we were doing this, West was getting ready to launch. We had just had our preview Easter service. And 
that September we were supposed to start having worship every weekend. I got a phone call from the gentleman in the conference office that was over over west and one of my bosses at the time and he said, you know, I understand that you guys got money for Acres of Hope and building pot houses. That's really great, but I want to let you know that you have no business getting involved in this right now. You need to launch a church. You don't need to be developing a child sponsorship program. And so that was sort of leveling for me. And then uh, he put me in touch with Myers Park United Methodist. They had started a very similar thing with Haiti. They had built a school and an orphanage in Haiti. They put me in charge with their chair of the board. I met with him. And then over the next year, we began this partnership with World of God, a very already established 501c3. And they have now taken Pastor Jeffrey and Acres of Hope under their umbrella. And the, the spance of Jeffrey's ministry and Acres of Hope ministry, it's all the way across the United States now in California and Texas and, and Virginia and Kansas and Tennessee, Raleigh. It, it's just, it's so powerful to see what God is doing. And it's convicting to hear that just five years ago, there was some grass. And now people keep going back year after year. And over 170 kids are sponsored. Now, if this sounds like an infomercial to you, then I really apologize because most sermons do not. But we as a church, we as a faith community, we sponsor eight kids every year. We have some of our online worshipers, Asia Peru. She uses her resources of time and she writes those sponsor kids every month. She is a part of our West community, but she can't be here with us in person on Sundays. She worships online. So that's her contribution to this. It requires $400 a month to sponsor our eight children. It is that time of year that we are asking boldly that you'll consider, you know, giving a little more so that we can sponsor these children. If you're willing, you go online to our website and use push pay and, or you can put money in the baskets outside and mark them Uganda or Nebi or Jeffrey, anything, Acres of Hope, and the money will go to them. I promised I would not talk all day. I have other biblical exegesis and another illustration that I was going to share with you, but I'm not going to do that because I want you to go experience the things in the commons area. The bottom line is this. The people that Jesus was talking about, they made excuses. We can make excuses all day long about why we're not the right one. The bottom line is God has given each of you and me gifts and resources that we can use to bring about a change in the world, whether it's giving blood next Sunday and giving someone the gift of life or whether it's putting money in the baskets in the back to sponsor a child in Uganda. I'll ask that you go with me now in a time of prayer and let's ask God how God would have you to use your gifts and your resources to bring about the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Gracious God, you have given us each different gifts, whether it's the gift of hospitality and hosting like the best ultimate tailgate ever, or whether it is financial resources and we can provide people with uh, homes and sponsorships in Uganda, or God, whether it is a friendly face and folks greet people as they enter into West each Sunday, you have given us all resources and things that we can use to help others experience you. 
I ask now during this time of song that you reveal to us who it is and how it is you would have us to be so that we can bring about change in this world. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Will you stand and receive the benediction? Remember, this is the preacher thing at the end after the last song. At the beginning of the service, the team sang a song by Katy Perry called Firework. You guys, we can each be fireworks in this world and we can bring about a change. We hear a song just now called Simple Man. We make excuses and we say that we, we really are not that special and there's not, there's not anything really we can do. And we also sing one more song. You can't always get what you want, but you get what you need. Leanne Rose had never gotten a full-time paycheck ever. And so when we made the ask to tithe, she anteed up and said, okay, we're going to give 10% minus $50. And she was afraid to do that. And she told me when we were in Uganda, she said, you know what? We've never missed that money. So you know what? Whatever God is laying on your heart, whether it's with your time and your energy and you can be a part of the change in this world or whether it's resources, as you go from this place, go and be, be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in this community and the world. I promise if you do that, you will always get what you need. God always provides. Go in peace.